Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. Well, hey there, family. Love listening to you sing that. Thank you to our worship team. Just awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we want to invite you to continue to be in this place. We do adore you. Help us to adore and love and care for all that you love and care for. Lord, I pray that you would use me today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be in me, but I also pray that your Holy Spirit would be in each person here, that they would hear the message that you want them to hear. May your words be spoken here today, we pray in your name. Amen. So, uh, does Jesus ever say anything that messes you up? (laughs) Yeah? No? Well, Anderlene, I'm going to tell you, we need to read the Bible a little bit more then. Okay, (laughs) I can pick on Anderlene. I know she reads her Bible. It's okay. It's okay. But uh, if you don't get messed up by the things Jesus does, you are not reading your Bible very much because Jesus does some things that are really hard to understand at times. And we like to focus on the warm, fuzzy stories. I like them too. But you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I like the ones that are strange. And so I'm going to go ahead and read you one. And I want you to go ahead and see how this lands with you. See how this lands with you. Keeping in mind that today we're talking about Lord, save us from your followers. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter 15, feel free if you have your Bible that you brought with you or you have it on your phone, you can open up, make sure I'm not making things up. If you don't like the version I've got, you can pick your own version, whatever. New Living Translation says it this way, Matthew 15, starting in verse 22. Then Jesus left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him and pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away. They said, she's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Okay, some of you are beginning to It's like, okay, now I see where he's going with this. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm, that's why I wanted you to look it up to make sure I wasn't, you know, because this like, Jesus, come on now. <laughs> She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, 
your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. So I want you to take that in the nice little pot that we started boiling it in, okay? I'm going to move it to the back burner. I'm going to let it simmer till the end of what I'm talking about today. So let it sit in the back of your mind. Let it percolate. Let it just, why was Jesus being that way? I mean, we're used to Jesus being nice and his disciples being jerks, but (laughs) what's going on here? Speaking of Jesus' disciples being jerks, about 2008, I was involved in a project in Spokane where I started uh, pastoral ministry. In fact, if you ever try to call me, you'll see I have a 509 area code because I've just kept the same phone number because why change? And we did this project where we wrapped, a group of us got together and decided to find out why people quit church. So we wrapped city buses, Spokane city buses, with this wrap. It said, did you used to go to church? Tell me why you quit whyiquitchurch.com. And so people were invited to, to submit why they quit attending church. And um, I was pretty amazed at how many people responded. Uh, well over 400 people uh, responded to it. And, and that, when I say 400, they, these are the people actually who would give us a email address. Because what we did at the end of it is we said, hey, if you want an apology, give us your email and we'll not only give you an apology, but we'll also send you tickets that you can come and attend a screening of this new movie that's called coming out that's called Lord Save Us from Your Followers. Because we figured, you know, people who left church, this would probably be a good movie to invite them to. That they might go, hey, I, I might be willing to go watch that. And the tagline here is, why is the gospel of love dividing America? And, uh, when I saw the movie, I just thought, Man, this is going to be perfect. So we're going to, we're going to have these people come in and uh, they'll watch the movie. And in the last time that we screened it for the public, we actually had the guy who made it, a guy named Dan Merchant, who's sitting right there. Um, you can see us uh, a little bit younger, a couple of years ago, up on the screen there. Oh, there we go. Was that? Oh, wait. No, go back. There we go. Yeah, that's us. Maybe I do need to get off that quicker. Anyway. It's uh, one of the other organizers, uh, one of the main characters there, Dave Livermore, great guy, uh, with uh, Dan and I. Dan's the guy in the suit, by the way, in case you didn't know. Um, and so Dan came out, and the last, the last time, and we had a bunch of people there. And I want you to know it's one thing. I, I've worked in secular work environments and radio and television. It's one thing to hear people's perspective when you're not a pastor. It's another thing to hear their perspective as a pastor when they've been hurt by the church. And what we found out in that sermon, in that survey, by the way, is the number one reason that people left the church far and away, not even close to anything else, was personal conflict. Feeling wounded, having somebody say something to them that was uh, unthoughtful, getting into a fight with somebody. Um, The next closest one was some doctrine and it wasn't even really close like some doctrinal issues. They're like leftover disagreeing with some doctrinal issues. But even that would often come back to somebody banging them over the head with doctrine that they were like, hey, wait a minute. So sitting in those, in that time and having people talk to me about, as a pastor, about the things that hurt them was a pivotal moment in my pastoral career. And I will always be grateful to Dan for making that movie. 
Um, Dan will tell you that what didn't make the money he had hoped it would make, but it did something for me. And so, it, you know, may that be small comfort in your life um, <laughs> that it did something for me. Um, but it really did. It changed me. It changed the way that I looked at pastoral ministry and the way that I was interacting with people. I started realizing that my doctrine was important, the things that I believe that's important, but what's far more important is how I apply that doctrine in love and kindness. Far more important is how am I behaving. And what I realized is that as Christians, we have a reflection problem. And I'm using that two different ways. We have a hard time reflecting Jesus, yes, as but we also have a hard time reflecting on what we look like to other people. We're really good at talking about how this person needs to be more open-minded and that person needs to behave better. And that, but what about me? Uh, a survey was done and it just came out in March of this year. It was done by the Presbyterian Church uh, in conjunction with Ipsos. And this study um, was a national study. They called it Jesus in America. And what the study shows that most Americans believe Jesus was a um, historical person. They believe Jesus was historical. They, most Americans believe that he was an important spiritual person. But, and other surveys have told us that most Americans really like who Jesus appears to be in the Bible. They're good with Jesus. However, about one in four Americans say that Christians they know represent the values and teachings of Jesus a lot. Think about that for a minute. Out of four people, you find four people on the street, only one of them is going to say that Christians reflect Jesus really well. And then it gets even worse because what about, well, how about, how about we go with just a little bit? Still not great. But here's where it becomes interesting. At Christians, we give ourselves a pretty good score. We go about 71% that we at least reflect Jesus a little bit. Look at what other religions say. Other religions say that, that, we, that we represent a lot or a little. Right there at 23% for other religions, 17% for the not religious group. Now, I would be a lot happier if... Christians thought we didn't, weren't doing as good a job and the non-religious said, oh, you're, you're, doing, you're doing better than you think. But that's not at all what the, the survey shows. Why? Well, it's because we view ourselves very differently than, than we're being viewed. As Christians, we view ourselves as being giving and compassionate and loving and respectful and friendly. It's why you can go to every church in the United States and be in the friendliest church in the world and still feel lonely and lost. Look at how other religions view Christians. Look at how the non-religious view Christians. So like I said, we have a reflection problem because it's easy to say, oh, well, you're just not looking us right. You're jaded, you're, you're cynical, you're, you, you're not seeing us right. But what if they are seeing us right and we're not seeing ourselves right? What if their perception is the correct one and ours isn't? What if it didn't matter whether their perception was correct or not? 
that maybe we had a responsibility to help them see a better picture of Jesus when they look at us. It's hard to follow somebody who says, trust me, I know where I'm going, but doesn't seem to be going where they say they're going. It's hard to say, I love that restaurant, but I never eat there. It's what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter two, the scripture you heard earlier. You're convinced that you're a guide for the blind and a light for people who are lost in darkness. You think you can instruct the ignorant and teach the children, teach children the ways of God. Go ahead and personalize that for a minute. Ken, you're convinced that you can are a guide to the blind and a light for people. No, don't use my name, use yours. <laughs> Ken, you think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. Ken, you're certain God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. Well then, Ken, teach others. Why don't you, Ken, teach yourself? Can you tell others not to steal, but do you steal? We talked about that in a sermon a little while ago, right? When we talked in the Ten Commandments, we were talking about not stealing. We decided that stealing wasn't simply taking stuff out of the supermarket without paying for it. You can steal people's reputation. You can, you can do all kinds of stealing that, that never will get you in trouble with the law, but it's still stealing. Ken, you say it's wrong to commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? Ooh, now we're getting a little touchy here. There's a lot of ways to commit adultery without ever physically cheating. You condemn idolatry, but Ken, do you use items stolen from pagan temples? Ken, you're so proud of knowing the law, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scriptures say the Gentiles blaspheme the name of God because of you, Ken. Feels a little more personal when you put your own name in there, doesn't it? And if I'm going to be just very brutally honest, I know it's true. You know, each one of us that takes on the name of Christ, that comes to church, that calls ourselves a Christian, people watch you. And you can say, that's not fair. I'm not Jesus. And that's true. You're not Jesus, but you're supposed to be following him. I remember um, when I worked in TV news, completely letting myself down once. I had somebody accusing me of being unfair and, and uh, this discussion got heated and they started cussing at me. And, and before I knew it, I was cussing at them. And the person stopped and they looked at me and I said, I thought you were a Christian. I'm not proud of that moment. But I do remember sending an email to that person later and apologizing for my behavior. It's something I regret to this day because I wasn't, wasn't representing my first employer. When we behave badly, we're causing other people to look at God badly. So let's go back to that story. 
Let's go back to that story that I talked about in the beginning. And let's ask ourselves if Jesus is being a jerk here. If maybe that gives me license to treat others the way that Jesus was behaving here, apparently. So let's talk about it. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading. Now let's stop and talk about this woman. If you want to talk about the most despised, the biggest sinner that you could possibly imagine in Jewish society, this was this woman. Why? Well, she was a woman. That already started things off. Women, don't hear me wrong. It's just the way that things were back then. Not saying it was right. Just it was what it was then. So that's number one strike for her. Number two, she was a Canaanite, which means that she was part of the group of people that that tried to keep um, the Israelites from taking over the promised land. So the Israelites did not particularly care for them. In fact, they despised them. These are the heathens. These are the people that brought them into idolatry, that, that lured them in. That lured them in. Boy, there's some, some comparison today, isn't there? Shame on them for luring me in. I'm going to despise you for that. And so Jewish people look down on these people. A good Jewish rabbi would never, ever, ever give the time of day to this woman, ever. She was literally beyond the love of God. But this woman doesn't care. She has a need, and she knows who can solve the need. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. It's always important when you read scripture to see what happens before and what happens after a story. What happens before this story in Matthew chapter 15, at the very beginning of this chapter, it says, Then some Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And Jesus gets into a discussion, not just with the Jewish leaders, but with his disciples about what makes a person clean and what makes a person unclean. And if I were to summarize it for you, Jesus says, it's your behavior. It's not what's going in, it's what's coming out of your life. Sometimes the things we put into our life cause some bad behaviors. But Jesus said, the blame is what, is, is what you're doing. This is what makes you unclean. And then this story comes down. And by the way, talk, they're talking about food there. What happens right after this? Jesus feeds a, thousands of people with just a few bread and fish. So there's some food analogies that you're going to see popping up in this chapter I want you to pay a little bit of attention to. Jesus is talking about food a little bit, but he's using it as a metaphor and Matthew is using it and playing with it as well in the retelling of the story. So Jesus does what a good rabbi should do when approached by a woman like this. He doesn't say anything to her, not even a word. I want you to, I want you to suggest to you that Jesus isn't doing this because he hates this woman, because he doesn't want to talk to this woman. Earlier in Jesus' career, he had talked to a Samaritan woman and spent some significant time with them. And Jesus' disciples were not happy about that. Ah, yeah. So today, Jesus goes, okay. Okay, we've just talked about what makes a person clean or unclean. So, okay, we'll do it your way. Let's try it your way. I'm not going to talk to her. 
not even a word. And the disciples are like, yes, Jesus, you're finally catching on. Yes. And so they come up to him and say, see, tell her to go away. Now what's telling is why. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Hmm. Is that the way that we treat people that are in opposition to our beliefs? Send them away because they're making my life uncomfortable. That makes me uncomfortable. So what does Jesus do? He doesn't do what his disciples ask. And this is where things start to veer away from where the disciples thought it should go. He engages her, which is something that he should not have done if as a rabbi. He says to her, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. The disciples are like, well, he shouldn't be talking to her, but at least he's on the right track here. <laughs> but notice what Jesus said. The lost sheep. The lost sheep. Israel had lost its way. Why had it lost its way? It wasn't because that they were, that it wasn't a plethora of other things. It wasn't because they weren't keeping the law well enough. They were doing a great job of keeping the law. The problem was that they had forgotten the whole reason why God chose them. You see, when we use that word chosen, it's not like, oh, you're, you're way better than everybody else, so I picked you. Rather, God chose them to tell the world about him. He said, I've got a special mission for you to go on. It doesn't make you better than other people. It just means I need you to go tell the world what it looks like when people do things the way I've asked them to do, that their life is better, that they're happier. Go tell that message. But the, but the Jewish people said, nah, we'll hang on to that ourselves and we're not going to share that. Christianity is doing a really good job of that. Do you believe that, life may, that Jesus makes your life better? So if your life is better, why wouldn't you want to share that? Why wouldn't you want to share that? And sharing that, by the way, nobody ever knew got somebody to go eat at a restaurant and be going, you better go eat there or you have no class or no taste. But we do that as Christians, right? You better eat that, that religion that I believe or you're, or you're just, you're undiscriminating, you're a heathen. Now, how do you get somebody to go to a restaurant? You talk about what it's done. Oh, man, it's like the best food. I love this. I love that. Oh, it's amazing. I eat there all the time. It's fantastic. And somebody, oh, well, if you like it, maybe I want to try it out. Hmm. The woman was not deterred. She came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Now, that's pretty mean. And I want you to know, as mean as it sounds to you, it must have sounded a million times worse because it's actually, there's a little bit of a poke in there. Jewish people weren't allowed to have dogs as pets. Gentiles did. And so there's this little poke of, oh, hey, you get how dogs work because you hang out with those in clean animals. And you know the rules with dogs. We don't feed them from the table. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And then Jesus says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. I like the way that somebody translated it, it says, 
I'm making your wish come true. It's really important to understand that when you see that dear woman, that's only used a few times in the Gospels. It's used with the Samaritan woman. It's used with this woman. It's used with Jesus' mother. So what we go from is like one of the harshest statements that you can imagine to one of the most gentle and loving statements ever. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus never said anything to anybody that would crush them. But he was trying to make a point to his disciples, and he knew that this woman was capable of taking what he was about to dish and turning it in a way that his disciples would have to be gently slapped on the face with their thoughts and attitudes. You see, for the disciples, they had to think when Jesus granted her request that he didn't just throw her a scrap that was falling off the table. Their mind would have gone back to Psalm 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Jesus prepared a feast for that woman in the presence of her enemies. So Jesus wasn't being harsh. He was trying to point out to his disciples how misguided their belief systems were how they were missing the point of what he was really trying to accomplish. Jesus always has a heart for the marginalized. We should too. Unfortunately, in America, when you talk, when in 2008, Dan shot this between, I think, 2006 and 2009. And uh, in that time period, we thought things were pretty divisive then, right? And Dan was trying to get a conversation going to say, hey guys, can we at least, can we talk with each other? Because talking is what solves things. But we've, we, we haven't done that. We haven't done what Dan would have loved to see us do. Instead, we've quit talking. We've turned our back and we just hurl grenades across. We use words like battle and war, the war on Christianity, the battle against secularism. The, well, what happens when you view your religion as a war or a battle to be won? When you view those who aren't Christians or who have different Christian beliefs than you do as the enemy, what will the outcome be? It'll be the outcome that is of every war, carnage. There's always collateral damage in war, always. The warriors are always hurt in battles. Maybe it's time to shift our verbiage about what we're doing as Christians. Maybe it's, it's time to view ourselves as givers, as lovers, instead of soldiers fighting a war. You will not find onward Christian soldiers in the Bible. That's a song. I sang it a lot as a kid. And I don't hate the song, but as the war, as the culture wars have heated up, I felt less and less like singing that song and more and more singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, and he loves you too. 
We need to view those who aren't Christians the way that Jesus viewed them, not as dogs, but as people that he had prepared a feast for and was ready to feed with compassion, joy, hope, and peace. All right. Now is the time in the service where we get to respond to the sermon as well as the movie. And we have Dan Merchant here. We're very happy to have him here. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you, Stanley. All right. And uh, yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so if you'd like to participate, just head over to our website and you can even sign up to be anonymous if you want. Some people have already done that <laughs> uh, to post questions there. And um, we can jump right in. There's there's quite a few already coming in. Uh, I, um, we'll start with this one here. Uh, Jeff made a comment that said, uh, that he heard a saying that there is no hate like Christian love. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. <Wow. laughs> so I think your film tackles some of those issues of when, how did the gospel of love become something that's dividing us? Can you talk about maybe both well, of those that things? Was, yeah, that was sort of the, the thesis question that launched the, the journey, which was, what's all this noise about and what are we doing? You know, why is everyone so mad at Christians? And, all you have to do is ask a couple questions and you hear the answers and you go, oh, ooh, sorry about that. Got it. And so that was really the, the journey of that movie was yeah. discovering that it's not the gospel of love per se, but our inadequate and self-satisfied version of it that we present to the world as you've preached eloquently about this morning. And that was a, that was a big, big eye opener, you know, to go around the country in that stupid suit, interviewing, you know, talking to people and, you ask people what they believe and you, uh, you convince them that you actually want to hear what they say, they'll tell you. And uh, <laughs> I got an earful and uh, it opened my eyes and opened my heart and I guess reminded me that, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to be right about everything. I don't have much problem being right about everything all the time. You ask my wife and she'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, to... To follow Jesus is is a different kind of right. It's it's love is the highest form of right, and uh, I can't do that without relying on Him. I can do the other part by myself pretty good, but to to love one another as we're commanded, it's like I I can't do that without Jesus. Yep, yep, yep. Very good. We need Christ. The movie's fantastic, by the way. If you haven't seen it, um, there's a bunch of different places you can find it. Is it on PureFlix now? Uh, it's not on Pure Flix. Uh, Amazon Prime, I think, is is where you yeah. can stream it live still. I, I know I got it. It's, it was really good. Yeah. I've also been told there are other places you could look that may have it. Yeah, I think I think somebody put it up in eight minute chunks on YouTube like 15 <laughs> wow. years ago. So like, thanks for that, but you can still see it there. So they're getting some great ab revenue right now from it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, it it is actually a film that when our our church here showed it when it came out and it was just something that definitely changed a lot, my perspective on a lot of things when it first came out. So I'm, I'm glad that we watched it then. And I'm glad that we showed it at, uh, again last night. Uh, here's another question. This one comes from the thinker. Um, and it's going back to the statistics. Why do we put a facade of what we want to be seen as when we often act in such a different way? How can we as a church fix this problem? How can we put a mirror towards ourselves? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. You're looking. Yeah. At look. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah, that's a can. Can't can have that one. <laughs> right. No. I mean, um, it's it's yeah. it's what we do. We're human beings in a broken, fallen world, right? Yeah. 
So it's it's way easier to do that, isn't it? Uh, nobody. <laughs> We're all the hero in our own story, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as a filmmaker, yeah, that's one of the things that you you kind of play on as a filmmaker. You play to making the hero somebody relatable to the people watching, that they can put themselves in, in that hero's shoes. It's a, it's a very unhinged person that, that wants to be the villain uh, in, the, in, the, in the story, or, or let me rephrase it, that, that usually views themselves through the villain's eyes. We usually view ourselves, even when you have, um, even as Hollywood's kind of turned villains upside down and made them kind of heroes at times, yeah. you still are trying, you still see the, the part that you like about yourself in them and go, I know why they're doing that. I, I could see that. And so we all kind of want to be the hero of the story. And so I think that's why it's difficult to put the mirror up and be honest with ourselves. And uh, with that said, my discovery has been that I've asked God to make me more aware of the problems in my life. He does it. And I want to just warn you, it's painful yeah. because you'll suddenly, God will start pointing things out to you and you, it, it's not comfortable. But I think it's what we've got to do if we want to grow that's we it. want to be a better person, and if we really want to show the world what Jesus is like and convince them to follow him too. Look, looking in the mirror can be a, a painful experience, but it's a necessary one. You know, and that, like we talked about, and as you mentioned, it's like we're not very good at understanding how we sound to other people. I think a lot of, a lot of times we can we'll dismiss the other because, oh, well, that's not what I meant. What are they so sensitive about? But if we, if somebody spoke to us that way, we'd be completely offended. And so just understanding that just because I said it and you misunderstood it, uh, that's actually my problem. I didn't communicate well enough because that's not what I intended. And I need to do a better job. I need to understand what language, what, how do I need to, how do I need to present myself and, and this thing I need to say to you in a way that doesn't send you fleeing from the room. And because if you do, and that's not my intent, then I just did a bad job communicating. So yeah. we can do better at that. Yeah, absolutely. So here's another question from someone that goes by, hello. Uh, hello. Hello. Hi. How do you get over the regret and embarrassment from a bad witness or testimony to unbelievers, especially unbelieving family members? Do we need a reverse confession booth like you had in the <laughs> film? Or how can we get over that regret? Or how can we maybe patch some of those relationships. I mean, God's grace to start with, it's like quit putting Jesus on the cross, right? It's like, accept the gift, you know, that he's given us the sacrifice that washes us clean, start there and accept that and go, okay, great. And then, and then I think he'll show you, you know, do I need to apologize? Do I need to, uh, approach this person in a different way? But I, I know from my own experience that, Many times I've taken the cold comfort of shame and wrapped it around me, mistakes I made, terrible choices I'd made, and go, oh, well, I don't deserve any better. And it's like, that's not at all what God has for us. And so we just have to accept that grace, and then we're released to be used by him to be a vessel and, and impact our world differently and get to know him differently through that interaction with each other. I mean, that's the beautiful thing at the end of the last supper with, you know, Judas is gone and he's like, okay, let me, let me explain this. I'm going to be gone soon. Let me explain this one more time to you knuckleheads. Love one another. <laughs> That's what I need to, you're not sure what's important. I'll put it on a bumper sticker for you. Love one another. This is what I need you to do. And it's just like, start there. 
and then the rest of it all the rest of the law falls yeah. in place underneath it it does and i think that i think we all need to know that we're going to make mistakes we're all going to be a bad witness here and there you know i shared an embarrassing moment that i had we all do things that we're embarrassed about but we can use them as learning opportunities to just say hey i'm i'm going to get up and try again i'm going to apologize where it's appropriate make amends where that's appropriate and then I'm going to ask God to help me do better. But God's grace is sufficient for, for all the things that we fall short in. All right. We are just about out of time. Um, there's a lot of questions. So maybe we can text these people back. But I want to give you an opportunity to talk about this afternoon. Uh, at 3 o'clock, we have something going on. Can you tell us what you're showing? Yeah. Yeah. I've uh, uh, been had the, the wonderful opportunity to make a couple of television projects for uh, for Sony Pictures this year, and they're now uh, airing on a on a platform uh, that they run called Pure Flix. Uh, one, and we're going to show a couple of those uh, episodes this afternoon. So I'd love to love to see you back at three o'clock, and we I'll show you some some free TV. Uh, and uh, <laughs> one show is called Going Home. Uh, it stars an actress named Cynthia Geary, who you might know from Northern Exposure that ran on CBS once upon a time. Uh, and it's a story about hospice nurses. And so it's a it's a beautiful, somewhat challenging show, but I think you'll find it very entertaining uh, about hospice nurses. And one of the things uh, that the writers and I learned while researching that show was that they they have a phrase which is called, we're trying to achieve a good death. And you're like, wait, what? That's an oxymoron, isn't it? Uh, but what what they taught us was that, that death isn't the opposite of life. It's part of the journey of life. And uh, as it turns out, it's the most uh, relatable show I think I've ever worked on because we all have been or will be touched by the exit from this world. It's coming. It's just part of what, what happens. And so to be able to create a dramatic program uh, around that topic was really exciting uh, to do that work with, with Sony. And then uh, there's another show that's a bit lighter that we'll show also called Live and Local that's just a silly comedy about a, a morning uh, radio show kind of behind the scenes. And that stars... K-Hug, right? Christian Radio. K-Hug, K-Hug, K-Hug. FM 109, totally inoffensive to everyone, always. <laughs> and uh, that stars uh, a guy named Dave Coulier that you might remember from a Full House that ran on ABC uh, for years back in the day. So we've got some really excellent actors, some familiar faces, and uh, and I think some some fun uh, some fun entertainment and some thoughtful uh, entertainment as well. And uh, it'd be my honor to to sit with you and watch it and talk with you about it afterwards and answer whatever questions you might have or anything. There we go. Awesome. And there's a uh, there's also a pure flicks thing that I think you were going to talk about or no? Yeah, um, we're we think that this shows that uh, Dan is uh, promoting are pretty great. We think that. Uh, we'd love to see you. Um, we know that uh, many of us invest in many other forms of streaming online uh, things. And one of the things that we like about Pure Flix is you can find The Chosen there. You can find these great faith-based shows there. Um, and so if you want to sign up for that, um, go see us out at the uh, desk there. It's just as simple as getting on your phone, signing up for it. If you sign up for it today, we will make sure that the first month of your uh, subscription is covered. So you can pick between three things. We've got a book, Lord Save Us book. We've got the Lord Save Us DVD. And we'll give you $10 cash, one of those three. We'll give you uh, $10 cash to help pay for it if you want to try it out and see whether it's something that's worth your time. 
Um, and uh, we think it will be. So if you do get it, though, make sure you go give. Is it only four stars on there? Or is it five stars? It's four. I think it's four stars. Uh, yeah. Careful. Like so. Yeah, that's give right. Them, just go find those shows. Give them four stars. And uh, right. that put it on fantastic. loop. Just watch it. Yeah, over just continue. And over. That's, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, you guys know how this works. That's oh, great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. Awesome. No, it's and, great, but it'd be fun to it'd be fun to watch the shows with you this afternoon. If you guys got ninety minutes to spare, it'd be uh, it'd be fun to do it. It's always really interesting to watch, you know, with an audience and like watching Lord Save yeah. Us last night with an audience, first time in like ten years. It's like you kind of tell what's going to happen when the audience gets really quiet here. It's like, oh, they're going to cry really loud here. <laughs> this is what happens. So that's it's, really, it's always a treat to get to watch with an audience. Awesome. I sure appreciate you being here, Dan. It's yes. my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll say it one more time. Dan flew all the way from Spokane, Washington to be here. He took time out of his filming and all the other schedule to be here. I'm not trying to guilt or shame you. Okay, I am. I am. I am. I'll be honest. I am. I'm sorry. I can't help it. I grew up that way. And it's like, uh, so uh, three o'clock this afternoon, don't let Dan down. You let me down, but Dan flew all the way here. And so he'll be disappointed if he doesn't see you. And he took a picture and you'll be checking to see. Are they there? So three o'clock this afternoon. Hope to see you then. I will let you go so you can grab a quick bite of food and come right back. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We want to love you better. We want to be good followers. We want to be the kind of followers that aren't dividing, but are doing what you ask us to do, which is to unite, that they may be one. Help us to do that, Lord. We love you. We can't wait for you to come back. We pray in your name. Amen. All right, family. Love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts, Speaking of Grace and its companion, 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians, all focused through the lens of grace. Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening, and have a great week.